Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Jules Von Hepp. Hello, I'm Sarah Powell. And welcome to Wobble, a podcast about happiness and body confidence. Because we all wobble. On this episode of Wobble, we have our first guest of series three, the very excellent, very clever Laura Thomas. Laura is a nutritionalist, she has a PhD and she specialises in intuitive eating at the London Centre for Intuitive Eating. She has just published her first book, Just Eat It, which is very good and you'll hear all about. And she is just generally brilliant. So if you have ever, if you've ever been on a diet or been obsessed with food, this will be incredible for you. I mean, I have been, I've been so excited to have you, Laura, on Waffle. I mean, it's actually worth doing the whole of the third series just to have Laura on. Because um, I, ha- I mean, I have so many things to ask you. And I mean, one of the main reasons that I've loved following you, particularly on Instagram, but also with the book, I feel like everything you talk about and everything you post, it makes me go, it's me. Hi, yeah, you're talking about me. That's me there, actually. And to the point, I mean, you know, because I... I'm someone who spent their whole life losing or gaining weight. That's been my absolute story. And if I am losing it, I'm on a diet with all the rules, you know, and all the restrictions. And when I'm not, world, stand back because I'm putting it on. And then it's the constant conversation of, right, well, when am I going to start losing weight again? And it's just, that's been my reality forever. So I was so excited to find you and the book, which is, we should mention, um, is Just Eat It. And I just want to read the front of it. How intuitive eating can help you get your shit together around food. But I was just so excited because there was an alternative, there just seemed to be an alternative, Mm -hmm. which had never even occurred to me. Food's always been a best friend Mm -hmm. or, I mean, a terrible enemy. and Mm -hmm. And it's always kind of been in that sort of space, really. So, I mean, let's, let's start off. What is intuitive eating? Okay. So I think what you said there, Sarah, was so interesting when you talked about I was either losing, losing, losing or gaining, gaining, gaining. And what that said to me is something that my clients repeat to me all the time is that I'm either fully on the bandwagon or I'm fully off of it. Yeah. Intuitive eating is when we just obliterate the bandwagon. We just get rid of it entirely. See you bandwagon. We're not having any of you anymore. So intuitive eating is a set of principles that helps us reconnect with 
the messages and the signals that our body is sending us for things like, in particular, hunger and fullness, but also what gives us pleasure and satisfaction and energy and stamina and really just helps us feel well without following all the external rules and restrictions that end up making us feel nuts about food. Good. I'm in. <laughs> because, and I know I've already said this, I just never imagined that this was even a possibility. No, and most it, people don't. They just think that dieting is the only way to live. And so when they come across the principles of intuitive eating, it can be really mind-blowing. And it can also, it can feel like a little uncomfortable for some people sometimes. And that's okay, you know, like if this is blowing your mind... You yeah, yeah, it. It, it's not a surprise. <laughs> um, but can I just get one thing straight? So this is really like, it's closing your eyes, listening to your body and going, okay, what does my body want to eat right now? Rather than thinking, oh, I can't eat that because of the calories that are in it, or I can't mm-hmm. have that because I had that yesterday, yeah. or somebody said this while I was eating this, so I can't necessarily, it's getting rid of all of that I can't and saying, okay, what do I actually need as opposed yeah. to want? Yeah, so oftentimes I'll say to clients, You know, if we are stuck in our heads about food and we're constantly bargaining and negotiating with ourselves about what to eat and when to eat and, um, you know, if you have, like, the bread basket, can you also have the mashed potatoes and there's just this to-ing and fro-ing constantly. Um, If we end up breaking one of these self-imposed rules, what's the overriding feeling or sensation that we have in our bodies? Well, it's guilt. For me, yeah. it's just guilt. And and that guilt can last for days. Yeah. That can haunt me. You know, yeah. one spag ball, it could be all over for me for yeah, the week. Yeah, game over. Yeah. Right? But if that is the overriding sensation or feeling that we have in our body, how do we know how the food is making us feel? If that's all we're sensing in our bodies. So we want to strip that back. We want to get rid of the guilt and the anxiety and the shame that's associated with eating so that we can tune back into our cues for hunger and fullness and pleasure and satisfaction and what gives us a sense of stamina and well-being rather than oh well I feel guilty for eating that food so I'm not going to eat it yeah and we should point out as well that it's very easy to go well we're talking about the perceived bad foods so you know kind of processed sugar and fat and things like that but actually it's equally it could be clean eating couldn't it or it could be those kind of other sort of wellness diets if you like right that we're only eating those foods not because we like them not because we enjoy them but because they make us feel virtuous yes or good you know we're good when we eat these foods or if we don't eat those foods then we're bad like that's pretty that's a pretty precarious foundation on which to build that relationship with ourselves is predicated on you know whether we eat perceived good or bad foods yeah i was gonna say with these like a lot of this can and can't carbs is like the main one that i hear within my world constantly oh i'm off carbs i'm not eating carbs i'm not having bread i'm not having pasta i can't eat that at this time and it's that association with time and what you're doing day to day because instantly when you said to me i can't um like foods that you maybe you're eating that are clean i was like oh this could be me and eating foods that maybe you don't like but then you have this the association of but this is healthy so i'm gonna eat it and i'll feel better for that but there's things like I've learned this year where my body doesn't like grains and it really bloats when it has grains. And so yeah. instead of just thinking, oh, okay, well, this is a form of protein, actually, it doesn't want that. It really doesn't want that. It doesn't enjoy it. But carbs, like, I like, my body likes bread. It doesn't, it doesn't respond badly to it. Mm-hmm. So it's 
I kind of feel like I'm on this wave and I'm really like, this is such a nice podcast to be doing because it's engaging with what your body actually wants. And yeah. carbs is like the big one. That's what everyone talks about. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, carb phobia is rampant. Yes, I, see I know. It all the time. And it's so interesting. Poor people carbs. Will come, I know people will come to me and say, like, I just, I don't have any energy and I'm, I feel tired all the time. And then I'll look at what they've been eating. There are no freaking carbs in there. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it's not really surprising. But then when I say, well, okay, wh- what about if we incorporate some some carbohydrates or some grains in order to balance out what you're eating? They look at me like, what the hell is she talking about? She's telling me to eat. And there's just like this sense of doom on their on their faces. And carb phobia is, runs so deep. Yeah. And, and there's, I mean, there's, we could do a whole podcast on carbs if you wanted. And <laughs> why I'm I'd be very interested in that. Can we bring carbs? Oh, Can we that, eat yeah. carbs? Because um, I, I want to get into sort of where it all comes from, really. Mm. Where it all stems from. This idea that, you know, because it started somewhere that somebody's gone, oh, carbs are the enemy. Carbs are the problem. Yeah. And then it's kind of spread, sort of filtered down to us, if you like. And again, since I've been following you, Laura, I am staggered how prolific diet culture is everywhere to the point where you go to the supermarket and there's just signs up that you you know even just to go this is healthy food so it straight away makes you go oh well this this stuff must be unhealthy then you know healthy snacking all those kind of words that we just we take as given but they're not are they i think it might be helpful to even explain why it's unhelpful to dichotomize foods is as good or bad um because people might be kind of wondering well you know, I want to eat healthy foods. I want to be healthy. What's yeah. wrong with that? Um, and and there's nothing inherently wrong with it. The problem, as I see it, and as a lot of my clients experience, is that when we create a, a food hierarchy or we dichotomize foods as good or bad, we end up putting those those foods that we perceive to be bad sort of up on a pedestal, and that creates this forbidden fruit effect. So if we say, for instance, cookies are bad I'm not going to eat cookies I'm not doing sure we're like sugar-free February or whatever yeah, <laughs> yeah what's going on right will now. probably be a thing <laughs> somewhere um what happens then is that you because you're restricting and depriving yourself there's a little part of your brain that just kind of like starts flashing in the back of your brain that's like I need to eat cookies I need to eat cookies I need to eat cookies and so as soon as you come into contact with cookies you're like a crazed person yeah and you have you eat all of the cookies standing up over the sink as quickly as humanly possible so that people don't see yeah. you doing it or as quickly as possible so you can sort of almost pretend to yourself that it didn't even happen and, and it's yes me. yes it's me it's me <laughs> and no judgment we've all been there yeah, yeah. i'm a nutritionist we're the worst when it comes <laughs> to food rules right and so it's kind of when we talk about the concept of food neutrality or bringing foods down off of a pedestal and saying, okay, this is fair game and this is fair game and this is fair game. We're not saying that those foods don't have different nutritional values. Of course they do. All different foods have a different combination of nutrients. None are inherently good and none are inherently bad. They just 
they are. But when we start labeling them, that's when we can kind of run into trouble. And either we end up binging our faces off eating those foods. Yes. Or we end up feeling the guilt, the shame, the stress, the, that, that voice in our heads that doesn't shut up and takes over like 80% of our brains. Yeah. And it is consuming like that, you know, and I love you, you sort of talk about it in the book. Like imagine, imagine all the time and the energy and the headspace yeah. that you'd get back yeah. if yeah. you weren't thinking and worrying and, and sort of, yeah, just coming to terms with what I've eaten or what I haven't eaten or what I'm allowed. It's, it is exhausting, isn't it? It's just it's draining and uh, and so I do this exercise with my clients where I give them the printout of a, of a brain and it's just like a black and white brain and they have to kind of color in what proportion of their head is dedicated to thinking about their bodies thinking about food thinking about exercise thinking about nutrition and for some of them it's like 75 80 percent and so there's only 20 percent if that to think about everything else yeah. in your life and so what i'll also encourage them to do is is make a make a, a brain that more reflects you know their other interests and how they want to be spending their time rather than just thinking about food all the time yeah and i bet that god that would be shocking actually i think to see that mapped out in that way i was just sat here thinking i wonder what my brain would do i wonder where i would see this i do it with um, a couple of my clients when i say write down the things that you like about your life and the things yeah. that you don't like and then look at what you're doing and what you're not doing yeah i'm sure there'll be people now going oh my god what am i doing yeah how much time am i spending that's it because for somebody that you, you know anyone like me who's who's kind of been in that diet world yeah. on it off it on yeah. it off it forever there's a real fear for me around trusting myself you oh know, God, like, because yeah. I'm just convinced I'll just go head first yeah, into a tin yeah, of Fox's yeah. favourites and you'll never see me again and I'll <laughs> balloon. Do you know what I mean? Because that's because I, you know, I would have definitely said this. Um, I can't trust myself around yeah. food. Yeah. 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 And that is such a common fear. And I, there's there's a section on this in the book because I, I hear it all the time. And there, oh God, there's so much I could say on this. But if we think about it, this fear has been kind of instilled in us from diet culture right so yeah. you've all seen women's health type articles that say stay fuller for longer and oh actually you're not hungry you're just thirsty just drink some water so we've had it kind of drilled into us that we can't trust our body so of course you're gonna have that fear and I'm not saying that there isn't a learning curve associated with getting back in touch with those signals and I'm not saying that you're not going to have a bath in some Fox's favorites for a little <laughs> while. <laughs> yeah. But ultimately, um, so I love doing this kind of thought experiment with people. So if you are somewhere where you can sit and close your eyes um, and not about to walk in front of a car, yeah. then just for a second, think, and you guys can do this experiment. I'm going to do it, yeah. Oh, yeah let's do it, let's do it. Okay. So close yeah. your eyes yeah. and just imagine, Sarah, waking up and for breakfast, raiding the biscuit tin. Yeah. And then doing that again for a mid-morning snack and then at lunchtime and that's all you're having is just this biscuit tin and then come your afternoon snack you're having it again are you gonna want to keep eating the biscuits at dinner time no, no. i feel sick i do yeah. i feel sick with it already yeah. i'm like oh yeah. yeah yeah so that's telling me right there you do know how to trust your body yeah. because if you were to eat that way all day long you're gonna feel nauseous you're gonna feel icky you're gonna, not gonna have any energy you're gonna be in a terrible mood 
Right? And and your body will tell you, hey, let's get some broccoli in here. Yeah. Let's get some like, yeah. chicken breast. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not going to want to keep doing that. But because we're so stuck in our heads and overcomplicating and overthinking food, we don't actually pay attention to the messages that our body is sending us. No. We're kind of cut off from below the neck. So all the tools and things that I present in the book are about helping you f- reconnect with your body and finding that mind-body balance. Yeah. Like nobody's saying, don't use your head. you know like we still have to think about food but we have to kind of put it in its place as well and and that you know it should take up some amount of time but it shouldn't be taking up 80 percent of our brain space Mm. yeah i I just literally just read this in the book on the way here you talk about weight loss because straight away and i think there'll be probably people listening to it i was like oh great laura's found the answer for me (laughs) i am somebody i you know and i can sit here now i can confidently say right now I want to lose weight yeah. right I don't feel as good as I did uh, sort of a few months ago when I I've, I've definitely put weight on particularly since my wedding because you know the car crash diet sure. wedding diet yeah. happened and I completely went the other way yeah. obviously because I lost it and lost it and lost it for the wedding and the moment I mean we had a cheese toasty on the night when we got back to the hotel I was like <laughs> I'm eating everything and so I have put weight on and so now it's very easy to approach intuitive eating and go, great, this is the answer for me, getting the weight off again. Yeah, yeah. Um, And that's, I, I literally just read that bit in the book where you're like, no, 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 no. You're just going to have to park <laughs> that for a minute. But it, it does, it, yeah. it, it's scary because again, you're letting go, aren't you? For sure. And again, that really speaks to the conditioning that we've had from diet culture, which promises us that, you know, when we lose weight, we're gonna also, you know, be cooler and smarter and more lovable and more valuable. And and it's this um, really insidious promise that we're told that we're gonna get this pot of gold at yeah. the end of the rainbow. Like mm. we're gonna wake up one day and be freaking Beyonce. Right? Yeah. Not, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> and so there's a part of that that's just coming to terms with, you know, like all the things that you're telling yourself that you can do once you've lo- you've lost weight, you can do it right now. Yeah. Guess what? Mm. <laughs> that's mm. the that's the kind of spoiler is actually you can do it right now. You just need to kind of get out of your own way and yeah. go do the thing that you want to do. It has been my biggest I call it um <laughs> when I do sort of work with celebrate yourself, I call it the waiting room. So you yes. place yourself and for me, weight loss has always been my biggest waiting room. When I lose weight, I can wear the clothes I want. Yeah. When I lose weight, I'll nail my personal style. Yeah. Until then, I'll just have to wear Oh my god, you have the coolest that, style no. ever. <laughs> oh, but that makes me, me so sad that oh, you even think that. And, and, but so, we, so many people do it. And you can do sure. it in so many different ways, can't you? Like sure. when I get that job, when I yeah. meet somebody, when I get yeah. in a relationship, yeah. all that kind yeah. of stuff. So it is, and I don't know why weight loss particularly whether it's because it's just such an enigma or we're yeah. just fed this idea that like you said there's this magical golden place you'll wake up one day you'll be I remember being in the gym and I was like 19 and I remember really clearly seeing Rihanna on like MTV whatever yeah, yeah, um, yeah. when MTV still showed music <laughs> and um, and I remember thinking I've got to get to that yeah. and there was a complete disconnect yeah. between my reality and my body and Rihanna and I mean of all all the people to aim for right but it was really palpable like it yeah. was genuinely yeah. and it was only recently even that I've looked back and gone oh my god like I genuinely thought if I'm not that I failed yeah mm. yeah and and I just want to say for people who are listening who still you know are still 
hoping to lose weight or really, you know, they may be approaching intuitive eating with that mentality. Like so many of my clients come to me saying, I still want to lose weight, even though I'm telling them it's not going to happen really. (laughs) But I just want to like point out that you know if, if you still have that as a as a goal or you know you're still invested in that as an outcome like that's totally like understandable because that's all we're ever fed is yeah. the is the thin ideal we're always that's all we see in the media that's all we see on social media that's what we're told is healthiest that's what we're told is going to bring us happiness and it takes time to kind of unpack that what is essentially a lie. The other thing to point out here is that actually dieting and weight loss attempts are one of the strongest, from a scientific perspective, are one of the strongest predictors of long-term weight gain. Yeah. So that's not ideal. You're kind of, (laughs) we're all shooting ourselves in the food. But also that is not to say, and I think people often get really confused about this part of intuitive eating. Because we're letting go of dieting, it doesn't mean that we're not letting go of health and the, and, and that intuitive eating is anti-health. And what I'll often say to people is that intuitive eating, we don't know if it's gonna help you lose weight or not, right? I have no idea what your body is gonna end up doing ultimately if you're listening to those signals that it's sending it. But what I can help you figure out is what is the healthy weight for you? And that might not be that size six or that size eight that we have in our heads. That might be a much bigger size, but that's not predicated on a number on the scale. That's that's predicated on a healthy set of behaviors. And if you are binging and restricting and constantly in that cycle and only exercising when you're on a diet and then not moving at all when you're not on a diet, that's not healthy, yeah. right? Yeah. That sort of all or nothing mentality, either being fully on the bandwagon or fully off mm. of the bandwagon, yeah. that's also not healthy. So let's get to a place that is sustainable where you don't feel restricted. Um, and, and ultimately that's, that's gonna be a lot more sustainable. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. And when you say on the bag, on the bandwagon, off the bandwagon, when you are displaying signs of being healthy, what should you be showing? Okay, so I, I think of it in terms of the behaviors that you would be engaging in. 
So there's a really cool study, if I can kind of like nerd out for a second. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> that I want to share with you. We all know, um, I mean, you'd have to be living in a freaking cave to not hear all the scare stories about weight and health. And so our idea of health gets really, really tied up in um, BMI and the number on the scale. And we often kind of overly simplistic that relationship. But um, just to kind of illustrate the difference between BMI and behaviors, there was this really cool study from the States that looked at 12,000 people. And they wanted to ask them how many health promoting behaviors they engaged in on a regular basis. And so the behaviors that they were looking at were um, not smoking, not drinking to excess, so just kind of moderate drinking, exercising or moving your body for around about 30 minutes a day, so nothing like insane, and eating five a day. I think we can all agree that's like fairly low bar, right? To yeah. engage in all four of those behaviors. But they were also interested in looking at people who weren't engaging in any of those behaviors. And so what they found is that people that weren't participating in any of those behaviors, there was what we would expect in terms of a more linear relationship between weight and health risk. So as people's weight went up, their health risk went up. But if people were to engage in just one of those four behaviors, if they were in the highest weight group, if they were to engage in one behavior, their risk was cut in half. Wow. Just one of them. So that just could be a bit more exercise. Wait, wait, wait. Or, yeah, yeah, go on. I'm not even done yet. <laughs> <laughs> God, we were excited, weren't we? You got, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there's more. There's more. <laughs> So if people were to engage in all four of those behaviors, which we've already agreed aren't like that high a bar, their risk was exactly the same regardless of which BMI group they were in. So the people who had the quote normal BMI had the same risk as the people who had the quote highest BMIs. Mm. Independent, like their health risk was the same regardless of their BMI just because they were engaging in these four behaviors. So what this is, is telling us, and there are other studies that kind of show this and I, I go into it a little bit more in the book, is that it's our behaviors that are a stronger determinant of our health outcomes than the number on the scale. Yes. So yes. I understand that because so many people are like, well, if I give up dieting, then I'm going to get fat. And I use fat in a sort of neutral descriptor way, but I'm going to get fat and then, um, you know, I'm going to be unhealthy. That's not the case. And if you are, the way that you're controlling your weight and keeping your weight low is through an unhealthy means. Yeah then that's also not a great place to be. It's absolutely, I always remember this, you know, um, cause I've done all of them and all the points <laughs> and the calorie counting. Yeah. And I always remember there was this big thing for a while that salad was really unhealthy because okay, salad dressing yeah, yeah. had more calories in, so you're better off eating a burger. And it was all, do you know what I mean? It was all, <laughs> but it, it's exactly what you're saying. It's not thinking about health properties. It's literally thinking of calorie, that's yeah. the number that it says on a packet. And then forgetting that your body, your body doesn't, it, it's not like you eat the food and your body goes one calorie. Yes, 45 calories. Yes, okay, that's a hundred. Do you know what no, I mean? It's it just, can, it we're so disconnected in that way. Yeah. 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 And we, we've kind of, we often look at nutrition through this reductionist lens and it's also like an all or nothing lens as well where you know just because you're eating five a day and you're eating some whole grains doesn't mean that if you have a cookie it's not going to wipe out the benefits from yes. yes. all of the other but you do think that don't you yeah yeah, yes. yeah. and that's the mentality that a lot of my clients get into which is like or at least when they come to see me they're like well if I, if I have a cookie or a brownie or a donut then that's that's a bad day and yes. the whole of the rest of the day is a write-off what if you could just have have a cookie 
and then get on with the rest of your life <laughs> and it not be a big deal yeah. and you can still have vegetables for dinner and you can still go for a walk and you know have a chocolate after your dinner if you want it's all yes. it's all okay <laughs> God, it's big. It's big work, isn't it? I think there's something that's really coming through here and I need you to like clarify it for me. Mm. Being thin doesn't mean you're healthy. Oh, for sure. One way that we can kind of look at health risk is we basically have two different stores of fat in our body. So we have something called um, subcutaneous fat, which is the fat that kind of accumulates around our hips and our thighs and our bums and our upper arms. And Very familiar. <laughs> <laughs> we then have another type of fat called visceral fat, which accumulates um, around our internal organs, around our abdomen. And it's that visceral fat that is um, more of a predictor of, of health outcomes. So things like type 2 diabetes, heart disease, um, it's even been linked to Alzheimer's and breast cancer. Now, you cannot tell by looking at a person how much visceral there fat they have. There goes my next have. question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, right, I'm taking my clothes off now. <laughs> Laura, what do you think? <laughs> it was really interesting. I was in a, because I'm also doing a master's degree at the moment in clinical nutrition, and they showed us um, an MRI scan that like sliced somebody in half. Not yeah. actually, but like the picture yeah. was, was like yeah. a cross-sectional slice of, of a person. And the two people had the exact same BMI but what you could really clearly see in from this MRI is that one person had accumulated fat around their internal organs the other person had just accumulated it around um, you know their hips and their thighs and their belly and, and places like that which is a much kind of healthier way to carry weight if you will I think the things that we can say that we know for sure that well the biggest thing that we can do actually to reduce the visceral fat in our bodies is is not doing go on a crash diet, um, which actually dieting has been associated with an increase in visceral fat. <laughs> it gets worse, <laughs> but actually, just movement, just even ten minutes a day of movement can help reduce visceral fat accumulation and help reduce our risk of those diseases that I mentioned. Yeah, because it's amazing. We're talking so much, obviously, about intuitive eating, mm. but there's so much body wisdom there, isn't there? There's so, mm. you know, like even when the body knows it's got to walk or it's got to move yeah. or you've got yes. to, do you know yeah. what I mean? Just if yeah. you get stiff or something and you, and it's and it's astonishing when you tune in, your body can go, I need to leave the house or yeah. I, I need a walk or, or you know, mm. something. But totally. Yeah, I think we've just, it's like you said, we've just got so disconnected. But, and, and the way that exercise is packaged and presented to us is it's to get a peachy bum it's to get toned abs it's for aesthetic reasons and we don't heart I mean we're getting better now about talking about like the physical and mental health benefits and the benefits to like our sleep and our stress level and all of those kinds of things which you know if you could imagine them plastered on the front of a woman's magazine yeah. like that would be so much better than if we just focus on like this transformation or that transformation which you know actually the the evidence around using exercise for weight loss is actually pretty tiny and, and insignificant. Like, yes, it works in the short term. We're yeah. not saying that diets don't work in the short term, but in the long term, there's very little evidence to say that people who exercise more um, are going to have a lower BMI. And interestingly, some recent research has been looking at um, our sort of underlying motivations and intentions for exercising. And they found that people who 
um, exercise for health reasons as opposed to aesthetic reasons actually exercise more and are more likely to be intuitive eaters. So, wow. Yes. There you go. Science. Oh gosh, it's all there, <laughs> isn't it? We've just been taught not to trust it. Yeah. Just as a sort of starting point, let's mm. say you're somebody like Jules and I, you know, yeah. I, I particularly have come through that diet culture. I'm terrified. I've got no yeah. sort of connection to my own trust yeah. levels yeah, yeah, of what yeah. I want or what I need. What, apart from buying and reading <laughs> the book, what what would be your first bit of advice for somebody like me? So actually it's not really directly related to the actual mechanics of intuitive eating, but the first thing I would say is to develop self-compassion. Um, I spent a whole chapter talking about it, and again, the, the research around this is really interesting. Learning to give ourselves compassion when we're struggling with something, when something is difficult, whether that's body image, whether that's food, emotional eating, um, or just general life stuff. If we can learn to be a bit kinder to ourselves, that has been associated with um, better body appreciation, so better body image, and also higher intuitive eating, but also things like productivity, and it's it's a really cool concept. So just learning, and I go into how the the how you do this in the book, but just learning to befriend ourselves a little bit, let ourselves off the hook, be a bit gentler, be a bit kinder to ourselves. That would be like learning that skill. I think is is just going to make the whole intuitive eating process much much easier and then the second thing I would say just on a really like practical level stop thinking of hunger just as like that like gnawing pit of our belly like screaming gurgling right that tells me that you've gone too hungry um you've let it go too long before in between meals and snacks and so think of hunger um because it can be detected in other parts of our bodies so think of it in terms of shifts in our mood so if we get really cranky all of a sudden um if we've got low energy and it has nothing to do with inadequate sleep um if we've got like a loss of concentration or focus or kind of a slight headache so thinking of what's going on in our heads what's going on just overall in our bodies do we feel kind of weak shaky almost that feeling like of low blood sugar and as well as our stomach so there are five places that it can show up in our bodies so start tuning into that and tuning out of the my fitness pal the fitbit yeah <laughs> all of these external things because yeah if you if you continue to follow them that's gonna that's gonna uh, undermine that trust that you have in your body yeah your body doesn't know it's one o'clock and that's lunchtime <laughs> does it it just doesn't know um laura i mean amen to the self-compassion all oh, day long yes. yeah. oh my gosh yeah. <laughs> I could keep you here. As I said, I could kidnap you easily and just keep you here. Um, we always ask everyone who comes on Wobble, if you do wobble, what makes you wobble? I think this is probably going to sound hilarious <laughs> because I've got all these letters after my name. But the thing that I, I think often I get in my head and have a bit of a wobble about is, is imposter syndrome. Yeah, even though I've written a book and I do this on a daily basis... <laughs> Um, you know, I have to be obviously working in nutrition. There's been a like a big backlash against unqualified advice and poor information. So 
yeah, I can sometimes get in my head a little bit about that and be like, oh my God, am I saying the right thing? Um, and so that like that piece of, yeah, just not feeling like you're quite good enough. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is ridiculous. It's ludicrous, but I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah. I, and, and, and so many people will listen and go, yeah, it's me. Every, yeah. You know, what, yeah. well, no matter what field you're in or what your work is mm-hmm. or, you know, even your home life and relationships yeah. and stuff, there's so many moments where we think, oh no, what if I'm going to get found out? Yeah. Totally, 100% that. And so I had a lot of anxiety around the book coming out for that exact reason. But um, something that I found a resource that I really love is called The Happiness Trap by Russ Harris, just as a as a little book, if anyone wants to check it out. That's been my sort of like Bible. That and therapy. <laughs> Great. Perfect. Between the two, there's nothing you I'll can't figure do. It out. I'll figure it out. It's fine. <laughs> um, if people want to find you, Laura, if they want to know more about intuitive eating, the book the book's out now, it's just eat it. And they yeah. can follow you. Just remind us of your Instagram and everything. It's at Laura Thomas PhD across socials. My personal website's laurathomasphd.co.uk. We have the London Center for Intuitive Eating. Um, .co.uk which is for our online courses and one-to-one intuitive and counselling and my podcast is called Don't Stop My Game which is marvellous it's amazing as well it's thank brilliant you. thank you Laura guys. thank you so much for being on Waffle thanks for having me it was yeah. fun <laughs> <laughs> So this episode of Wobble had a really profound effect on me um, because I was listening back to it now and what I was saying, and this was only a few weeks ago that we recorded this, about wanting to lose weight, I actually feel completely differently now about it and this episode and Laura's teachings and the book have really, really helped me to accept myself and my body, right, which has been huge. I mean like that's 35 years worth of conditioning that I'm really working hard to change and it is changing which I never ever thought would happen. So if any of what you've heard on this episode resonates please go and find Laura. Um, Also if you follow Jules you'll know he is doing the most amazing work with body positivity and self-acceptance as well which has had a really big impact on me and how I feel about myself so yeah please go and find both of them and just yeah just start like Laura said with that compassion and just a bit of acceptance you know we don't have to change we really don't we really we are enough as we are right now and thank you so much to Laura for being our first guest on the new series of Wobble if you like this podcast please like and subscribe because it helps us so much five stars as Jules would say please Um, and we will see you next time for another brilliant guest on Wobble If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.